Trading Nut, episode 138. A creeping trend will resolve itself in one of two ways. It will either capitulate or blow off vertically in the direction of that creep. So gold, for example, this morning was a creeping trend down. Or it will be an explosion in the opposite direction as a squeeze. Uh, so it capitulates in the opposite direction and goes vertical and clears out everything that's been shorting it down lower or going long up high. And so essentially, to me, unless you have a creeping trend, whether that's on a smaller time frame, larger time frame, um, there's no there's no uh, fuel there to have an explosive move or a blow off move. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up traders, welcome to another installment of the Trading Up Podcast. Now boy do I have a treat for you today, we've got Stacey Burke here on the show, he's all the way over there in Perth in Australia, he trades gold gold, gold solely, he only trades gold and he trades it about three times a day, you're going to find out not just or everything this guy has learned over the years, which I've got to say is phenomenal, so that's coming up in the show. We did record a video afterwards as well, which goes for about 20-25 minutes, where Stacy breaks down essentially everything he does for his gold trades on the lower time frame. So you've got to check that video out after checking the show out. Now you're probably wondering, why on earth have I got this weird thing behind me, and wearing these glasses, uh, and... I've got this other thing here as well. Well, finally, after probably two years of saying that I was going to do it, I finally put up a life hacks slash gadgets page on tradingnut.com. It's under the shop link in the top navigation. This is where I'll I'll keep adding to it. There's about five or six things in there now. Some are free, some are not. Uh, these are things that I've found that have helped me with all sorts of things from getting rid of colds, from getting rid of back pain, from uh, getting better sleep. So there's all these sort of hacks in there, life hacks that you might be able to pick out, that you might be able to give a go yourself and see if it works. So um, there's that over there on the tradingnut.com site, as well as obviously my Robot Builders Club is there. If you're looking to automate some or all of your trading without doing any coding, then that's what I teach as part of my Robot Builders Club. Uh, also, we have released a new robot this month called uh, the well, basically, it's based on the Derek Vanderlinder uh, indicator, the TDI indicator. So I've built a full-on automated trading strategy based on that. And if you do join, you get access to that because it comes as part of the Robot Builders Club, the Robot Lab, which has got a whole bunch of robots in there that I've built um, that you guys get to import into the uh, EA Builder that we use. And you can edit and amend them to your liking. So that's over there on Trading Up. Remember, the doors are going to be closing to that very soon. So please, if you do want to come on board, you're going to have to hit me up. Let me know that you want to come on board, and I'll let you know how you get access to that. 
Also, what else has been happening here? We've had a new thing pop up, which is the pre-market analysis with Cass Darman. If you guys do want to take advantage of that, he's he's marking out key levels for the week ahead. Then that's over there on YouTube. You can join through the YouTube channel there as well. And if you're wondering what's going on with trading, that things are looking a bit different. It's because we've got a new logo, which means there's new merch as well. So if you do want to get a trading that cap, then you'll find that under the YouTube videos or over there on tradingnut.com. All right, enough from me. Let's get on with the show. Hey folks, my sponsors, City Traders Imperium, have just launched some amazing changes to their funded trader program. You gotta check out. You can now skip the whole evaluation, trade gold as well as Forex, plus they've increased the drawdown you're allowed in both the evaluation and when funded. With C2A, it's even faster and easier to reach up to $4 million in funding with a 50 to 70% profit share. Click the link in the description to find out what else has changed. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Stacey Burke in the house all the way over there in Perth in Australia. I think one of the rare guests I've had uh, from Perth. Uh, uh, Stacey's been trading the markets for 20 years and full-time the last five years, there or thereabouts. And uh, he now predominantly trades gold. So for all you gold fanatics out there, this is going to be the episode for you and any other trader for that matter. Welcome to the show, Stacey. How are things over there in Perth for you? Cheers, Kim. Thanks for having me. Uh, Perth is good. It's a beautiful sunny day. Uh, we're probably unlike some other areas. We're not in lockdown like the rest of Australia, but uh, life is good over here. And yeah, everybody's healthy. Cool. Well, um, we had a bit of a chat beforehand and uh, you gave me some highlights of your trading journey, but let's jump all the way back to the beginning and go through that 15 year journey to get to Absolutely. the point of profitability. I mean, how did that start? Um. I attended a workshop on uh, trading the futures, the Sydney Futures Exchange, the uh, ASX SPY, and I uh, had some excellent instructors. Uh, very, very basic, solid approach to the market, uh, daily charts, hand-drawn charts, and um, it was it was just really opened my eyes up to the markets. I felt right from that day forward that I was this was something I was destined to to do. Um, I think probably like most traders, I eventually just veered off of the, the structure of what I was told to stick to and, and thought, well, my first trade, I think I made uh, 25 points in about a half an hour. It was like 750 bucks or something right off the bat. And I thought I've just figured out, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make my million dollars and, uh, the rest is history, but it didn't quite go like that. Um, I was, t- I was you know, I wasn't following the plan. I was taking trades. Uh, if we could make that money that fast, how much can we make if we trade even smaller time frames? And uh, long story short, uh, over the years, doing some things right and then never consistently sticking with the plan, uh, just desperate to be making more and giving it all back. And uh, make, you know, I, I thought I considered myself to be very disciplined, a highly disciplined person. And I did it. I, continued to just constantly do everything that would violated every rule that I shouldn't have done. Uh, eventually a close friend of mine showed me the Forex markets, which at that time, probably just early two thousands was, was very new. And I looked at it and I thought, this is, this, what is, what do you mean spreads? And I, I completely did not understand any of it. And uh, slowly I attended another workshop here in Perth, got exposed to some basic uh, models of, of trading it. And at that time, the markets were, were reasonably uh, 
not quite as volatile perhaps around payrolls and stuff like that. There was some simple breakout models that seemed to work. And, and again, uh, just constantly trading and, and winning some, losing some, but I didn't really have a model or an approach. Uh, you know, I was trading all these different systems, you know, uh, indicators, breakouts, reversals, you know, you name it, I was trading it because they all worked, but I was trying to trade them all the time. And, uh, Fast forward to today, five or six years ago, you know, I, I'd been studying classical stuff, just basic stuff with Peter Brand, just just really going back to basics, what I had been instructed on early in the piece, and had started to learn a bit more about what was actually happening in the markets, you know, in, in terms of the smart money or market makers, institutional behavior, trapping, trapping retail money in the markets, just you know, all the simple things that really nobody, they talk about it, but I don't think they really, you know, hammer home on how it actually is happening. And, uh, you know, I started to, to go back and really work at that. And again, every time you'd make some progress, there'd be a new lesson. And uh, I got onto gold probably two years ago. I was con- consistent with my uh, approach at that point. Not quite maybe as big as I wanted to be, but knew that uh, there was scalable setups, but just wasn't quite putting the whole picture together. And uh, then with gold and the, the British pound pairs had the more volatility. I was really you know, focused on those. It started to come together. Gold really opened my eyes because of the amount of movement. And then uh, working backwards, uh, Monday to Friday, the month, the highs and lows, the economic calendar, just starting to put pieces together of, of when they were running stops, when they were blowing off moves, how it was working each session, um, which we'll talk about later and go through the charts. My, my approach is really simple now down to, I, I, I'm looking at one hour each session pretty much. The U.S. is kind of my main target depending on how that week is set up so if we're you know inside of a daily high low or if we're at weekly highs or lows then that obviously those moves can have much more significance double zeros 50s uh and and then just really honing in on some really simple setups and when they show up looking at scaling those and so that's been my main focus uh, i'm pretty much sort of uh, i guess maybe very tunnel vision the gold has been so consistent in the movements each session that uh, it's almost hard for me to even consider looking at anything else. So for now, for now. Hey, just jumping in here with a message from my sponsor, Sage Strategies. Do you want to trade gold and crypto like the institutions? Well, now you can, and it's free for 14 days with Sage Strategies, fully automated trading strategies. Check out their live track records for 25 unique strategies, plus they'll host everything for you, which is perfect for beginners and advanced traders or investors. Simply sign up for their 14-day free trial at sagestrategies.io and experience it for yourself. Awesome. Well, see, there's a lot in that story. Um, to, To start off with, how did you get, how did you sort of, balance working and trading through through that sort of 15 year period it it was um challenging because i wanted to be trading full time and i wasn't i wasn't consistent or big enough to be replacing my income or to be matching that income and uh again i wasn't ready I, I, one part i left out there was that 
even as I was putting things together, I, I still wasn't addressing some of my own personal behavior that, that was causing me issues and setting me back. So I would do everything right for seven, eight trades out of 10. And on the ninth trade, I'd blow myself up out of frustration or out of uh, impatience. So I would do everything right size wise. I'd be focused on the best trade setups. And then I'd, I'd be counter trending some parabolic move with size and, and just wipe my, everything out that I just gained. Uh, so that took a lot of personal um, introspective to look at myself and, and recognize that, look, it's all right there for you. It's, and I tell everybody this, the market gives you the opportunity every single day. And somebody told me something a few years ago. They said, you only need to get rich once. And that really kind of, you know, once it's stuck in that, if you just do things right, um, and, and, and then be aware of your own behavior, be able to look at yourself when you're at the screen and understand when you're possibly going into tilt or when you're, you know, possibly not in the right headspace. Maybe you've, you've had something happen that set you off or you haven't prepared properly, or you haven't come to the screen. You just come there and you think you, you know, you're overconfident, you know what you're doing. And it's always some little, just a subtle little sniff trade that you might just put a feeler in for that, that it can ultimately, cause you to start to unwind yourself and, and add into a loser or do all the things that you know you shouldn't do, but you do it anyways, because you're now you're, you're in tilt and you've just gone off the rails and uh, I've done that enough. Uh, so it took some work. It's still, I think it's a work in progress. And Peter Brand always said, you're only one trade away from blowing yourself up. And I believe that entirely, no matter how big you are, Jesse Livermore, blew up three or four times, you know, after making a hundred million dollars back in when it was worth a billion. So, um, yeah. Some fantastic quotes there. I mean, just for the guys listening tilt, if you hadn't heard it before, which I hadn't, uh, there's a podcast that I got a few episodes ago where, uh, Jared Tendler talks about it in his book. Um, and yeah, tilt is very much like if you are playing one of those, pinball games and you start trying to tilt the machine because you've just lost the plot <laughs> so it's basically losing the plot now yeah. um jumping back into uh into this you know move from from these other strategies to smart money to gold i mean was there anything in there that like you can sort of share with the guys like a, a strategy where you thought oh man i've got this this is all it's yeah. it's come together and and then what what did that strategy look like and then how did it ultimately fail for you well, I think um, one of the, the biggest things that if you look at a chart, you know, people put moving averages on, they, they've got other indicators. And, and when trend trades, when there's a trending day, um, everybody makes money. That's a trend trader. And I used to look at those days and go, it, what, you know, it's so simple. Um, and then, of course, you're trying to trade every day like it's a trend day. And I think that's where people get chopped up. And so... Uh, you know, you come back, you know, the, the, to, to, to really put it, I guess, to nail it down. And I say that you make money on the days that it's easy to make money. So it's, it's understanding that um, there's a, there's a template for the week. There, there is, or maybe a trend day and what sets up the trend day. Uh, and I call it a day zero. I learned that from some guys in the States. Um, day zero, narrow range day. It's not new, NR4, NR7. There are days when the market's coiling. And, you know, again, my own homework has led me to understand that the timing cycle is important. The end of the week, the beginning of the week, the end of the month, the beginning of the month, you'll get these coils 
for explosive moves, which are trend days. And trend days, when they're set up properly, are days that they don't come back. So people are trying to counter trend those. And those are the days that people blow their accounts up because it's an all in day and it keeps going and keeps going and they counter trend it. They average in and, and that can go maybe for a month. That may only be one day, but those are days when, uh, when you recognize that setup or you're in that move, possibly from the beginning or the middle of the day, uh, you can make obviously, um, good money. And so then the, the question is, is, well, how do they set up? How did, how did, you know, how could you trade them? How could you trade them better, bigger, tighter risk, all those things. And then knowing that uh, you're not getting that every day. <laughs> so don't try to mm. expect the same thing the next day and double up in size because you just nailed the one the day before and it's a reversal day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right off the bat, you're underwater. So cool. Okay. So, so um, you mentioned blowing off moves. What does that mean? I've never heard that term before. Okay, so uh, a big thing that I look for is creeping trends. Creeping trends are, you know, what I guess people will look at as trend trades. Uh, a creeping trend is, well, Bill McLaren taught me this. Uh, a creeping trend will resolve itself in one of two ways. It will either capitulate or blow off vertically in the direction of that creep. So gold, for example, this morning was a creeping trend down. Or it will be an explosion in the opposite direction as a squeeze. Uh, so it capitulates in the opposite direction and goes vertical and clears out everything that's been shorting it down lower or going long up high. And so essentially, to me, unless you have a creeping trend, whether that's on a smaller time frame, larger time frame, um, there's no, rev- there's no uh, fuel there to have an explosive move or a blow-off move. And gold, you know... Uh, one of the things I look for with gold is that the majority of people in the gold market, not trading it, but the public are long. They buy and hold. They're buying gold. It's a you know a store of value, all that sort of stuff. Uh, whereas the commercials are short, are the ones who will short it. So often the, some of the big moves um, in gold are down. Uh, and something I I learned from a, a a market maker was that they how they used to manipulate stocks was when they enter trade between each other they talk about well, I want you to lift the bid or or pull the bids or lift the offer meaning that uh, when I see something being chased up high which again we'll talk about this with Asian and London um, or or chasing down low like this morning you'll notice they dropped it down from 25 to zero really fast. And then the volume collects underneath the zero. So the creeping trend starts underneath of the box. They're trapping volume down low. They're getting the retail guy to sell it down low with the expectation that it's going to capitulate or trend down. And then boom, the explosion goes in the opposite direction. And uh, so yeah, the, the blow off is when we get that explosive move, which is what I'm looking for because I don't want to actually be in the market as funny as that sounds, I actually don't like being in the market. Um, I want as little stress as possible. So I'm looking for a coil where I can get in when it's ready to to spring the other way or in that in the direction of the blow off. And a lot of that's based on the timing of the, of that cycle itself in terms of the, the, the open of the market, all that. So so, so there was a, you talk about like a strong move to the downside on the, 
on gold. So there was a massive spike down. I remember not last, last week, week, last year, last ago, week, yeah, 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 two weeks ago, whatever. Um, and a few people mentioned it in my chat, saying, "Hey, look, you know, what the hell's going on with gold? I've got no idea." Uh, what was your sort of view on that? Well, in my own homework, if you go back and look at all these flash crashes, um, big moves, they're always on a Monday morning and it's always before Asia opens. And one of the things about that is that uh, you'll look at gold, the low of the year was back uh, May, June, somewhere in there. They came off a double bottom, came back up. So you've got all these people who are long in in those positions and my theory on gold my my belief in gold is that nobody gets a free lunch no matter where you get into the market they will come back and get you which uh one of the lessons i had to learn was to take pro learn to take profits bill mclaren again learn to take a profit so i have my level set each session i know where i'm getting out i'm, I'm not stupid well meaning that uh greed I, I want to get paid. And so when they move the market like that, a lot of the things I learned trading the SPY futures, they used to have an overnight market called SICOM. And I was told not to leave my stops in overnight. Uh, so we would put our stops in during the day session. If you were in a, like an end of day trade, maybe it was going to be a, a week and a half, two weeks, a month, whatever, uh, to remove your stop, put it back in, call the broker, put it back in in the morning because there's such thin volume during the night that they'll run through everything in order to uh, fill positions, obviously. So there's a lot of slippage, a lot of gaps. And so when they move the market pre, pre-Asia, um, there might have been no institutional players involved other than them pulling the bids and just smack, letting that fall, free fall through everything. And then, then they step in and start bidding the market back up. So they wipe everybody out, clear the board, and start the game again. And what about, um, that just reminds me of like, was it three years ago where the start of the year, like the 2nd of January, that the same sort of thing happened. Yep. Everything the pairs got crushed. Yep. Yeah. 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 Same thing. It was a Monday morning. Yeah. Go, it was yeah. a Monday morning. It's all before Asia opens. So, um, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think there's a, a grand organized design and uh, it's no secret that there, when we are trading at the screen, that, 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 the chart itself is being painted by the smart money. They're the ones moving it back and forth. Uh, gold, I, I had read an article recently, 95% of the, the trading during the day is basically paper. It's not real. Nobody's buying and selling gold bars all day long. Yeah. And so when you have that, the big players, they're, they're establishing the highs and lows. They have an agenda of bringing it up high to sell it or bringing it down low to, to buy it. If it's trending, they're still going to move it against the retail guy and shake, try to shake him out before they move it in the direction of of their anticip, you know, anticipated move. So, and um, you talked about scaling in to trades. I mean, how does how do you do that? Well, what I meant by that is trade setups that are scalable. So uh, my approach now is essentially that middle hour. I'm looking for that first hour to establish my high and a low. Uh, down low or up high, meaning that I want to see a quarter of trap volume, a creeping trend. Those are the setups that um, repeat. So I've got, you know, three or four basic models, trend trade, a reversal trade, a buy low, a sell high. Um, those are scalable to me in terms of me increasing size on them. There's ones that are, there's days where, okay, this isn't quite as clean as I want. So I'm not going to, you know, obviously risk the house on that. 
uh, but there's other ones where you've got a nice coil. Um, you can, it's very clean to see. It's it's set up the way that you know your best playbook setup should set up. Um, I'm prepared to to put size on this, and then obviously increasing size based on what what your risk tolerance or your risk per trade account wise is. I'm not a big believer in. Um, I know this will probably ruffle some feathers. One percent per trade. Um, I, I think that's great if you're managing a large fund, but uh, I'm going to. My belief is that most retail traders are trading because they want to make a lot of money. Uh, and obviously, I think the problem is though they're trying to make a lot of money and they don't really have an edge or they don't understand how to exploit that edge. And I did. I needed to learn a lot of painful, very painful lessons. But once you connect the dots and realize, as I was saying, there are days that it's easy to make money on. There are setups that are high probability. Nothing's guaranteed, but if you start to nail those and your your hit rate is consistent, your performance is consistent, you're not doing anything in tilt and going and trading other things outside of your times and doing things that will take away from your productivity, uh, you don't need to get that much bigger before the, the size of that trade setup. Like this morning, that was an explosion. Um, rather than trying to scalp 10 pips in and out eight hours a day, I would pre- would more comfortably like to come to the screen, look for that setup, take one trade, you know, didn't get the whole move, but got an, got a good chunk of that, walk away, done, come back later for London and look for the same setup. And so I, I don't often scale in, but with a New York, what I might do is split my position sizing into two or three pieces. So the same size, but split it into two or three pieces and then preset it so that as it's blowing through levels, it takes me out and I can leave a trailer in because maybe it is going to, like on a Friday night sometimes, they will go and they're not going to come back because if they come back, they let people out. And it's Friday, they want them to be leveraged, you know, over-leveraged, margined out. Come Monday, it might even open on a gap. Um, mm. And so, I, you know, those are ones maybe where I will let that last part ride and, and get out at the close or if I feel like maybe it's matched up with a daily level or a daily movement that it's going to continue and I'm going to just leave it ride and maybe not a big piece, but, you know, take the majority off and, and say, okay, I'll let that one sit because I think this might keep going. And so. and you mentioned before the show that, you know, you, you get them right at the bottom of the move. Like, well, the move I, I saw today and you obviously took uh, – you know, you said you get in at the bottom. I mean, what, what, how far, how far are you sort of leaving your stop out? You, oh, my, you my stops on those trades are 12, 15 pips. And, uh, and we'll talk about that. It, essentially, um, I'm working at quarter levels, like the numbers. So double zero, 75, 50, uh, 25, that sort of thing. And that trade was a, a fill below 75. And so my stop was at the low. Once they, they made the higher high and came back down inside on the, I'm on the one minute. I'm, I'm not, you know, I, people uh, ask me what time frame I'm on and I'm on the one minute, but I'm not, they get the wrong idea about that. It's, it's, it's about the levels and I'm using the one minute at that level. I'm looking for the fill at that level. It's just that that time frame is, is giving me the structure to enter the market. So, I'll, you know, people say, well, I'm going to use the four hour, the one hour, 15 minute, five minute, the one minute. It's about the level. So once the, the timing kicks in, so the first hour, you know, the, when the day started today, they, they brought it up and sold it down right away. So that's the first clue. They're, they're selling it down. But the volume starts to collect below double zeros in that 25-pip box. They made a high and a low. They came back down to the low. They hit the high. They hit the low. 
but then they made a higher high. And that higher high in that second hour is where I get the break in structure. So, you know, M's and W's, you're looking for that reversal to get people shorting down low and you're shorting it again, they're shorting it again, and they keep moving down lower in terms of the shorts, but the bottom of the market is sitting there at 75. So if I'm wrong, it shouldn't go to 50, meaning that when I'm filled sort of around that 75 area, best case scenario, I, I like to get filled at or below or above the number with the spread. So that way, if it pulls away and they pin back to that level and I'm going to break even, they're not going to get me. Uh, which obviously if these moves are set up right, it should explode and they're not going to come back. But uh, that 25 pip quarter level would be an absolute maximum because if they go to the next level, I could be caught now in a measured move going the opposite direction, which means I've, I've, I've got it wrong. Uh, and if I don't get out, this, move, this, this loss could be uh, the move in the opposite direction, which you know, gold would be 50, 75, maybe 100 pips. So you've got to cut it. I, you know, I've learned that I've learned some very painful lessons over the years, uh, which is why my profits are usually pre-programmed and so are my loss stop losses. Cause that's, uh, you know, even getting out with profit, you, if you change your tactics mid trade from greed or, you know, whatever, like when it takes me out for 40 or 50 or 25, whatever, I don't really care if I've stuck to the plan. Uh, you know, I got paid. There's another trade next session. So, 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 um, looking at thinking about the one minute chart, maybe we'll, we can see this on the screen later on, but, um, y you know, your stops going underneath the level that you've identified there at the 75 mark, or are you sort of thinking, well, at the 50, I'm wrong. So the stops are going under the 50. So they need to lock in the high or lock in the low before I'm going to get in the market. So they lock it in. So that's my extreme now. That's where my stop is going to be, either at that, that high point or low point. Now, if I get in on a pin, on a retest of that, once they've locked it in and they're, and I'm, you know, say they, they've put a high in and they're, they're pinning back up into the high as a stop hunt, and I take the, the, the I sell the up move, um, my stop is going to still probably be a max 12, 15 pips from that fill price. Because if they clear out that high again, now I've got it wrong, and and this could be going, you know, obviously even higher, another twenty five, fifty, maybe maybe I'm counter trending uh, the move in the opposite direction, which comes back to timing. Uh, most of these trades, middle hour, New York and London, especially, once they've that that hour nears the end, if you're at the higher the low, that usually is the end of the move. You know, assuming yeah. that this is a retest back to the higher to the low. And Eddie, how are you entering these trades? Are you on stop orders or limit orders market? No, I'm manually entering entering them. Um, I am experimenting with some with par partial sizes on limit orders because sometimes, um, you know, I'm 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 experimenting with the idea of having a. It's almost like a, an EA to some degree. I once I've got my level. I've got the uh, extreme that I want to enter in at. I'll put a limit order there with partial size so that if it happens really fast, and this happens sometimes uh, with gold, uh, at the lows and at the highs, they'll pin it really fast and pull back. And what, what that pin does is it, it hits stops, but it also triggers breakout orders. And so the pullback 
has got the breakout order trader in the market and now they're trapped right off the bat they're underwater and so so they don't go they don't allow you to sit at that level it hits it and pulls back so if i have a limit order there that's and and i'm right that means within a minute or two i can go to break even and so then if i'm right and then i'm going to add another position in or my full position that sort of idea the, the limit order takes the fear away cuz sometimes when it's a rat when they get to the high and the low it's impul it's very impulsive and erratic because that's designed to confuse you or to scare you out of being in a, in a win they're scaring you out of actually entering into a winning trade mm. uh, or attract traders in the wrong direction based on that that impulse and fast movement in the direction to the higher to the low and in terms of you mentioned break even i mean you said you can get to break even pretty quick i mean how how do you sort of work out now's the right time to get to break even a fixed rule or something more dynamic uh, usually it's based on the price chart. So on a lot of the last legs of most of the moves, there'll be a one, two, three, a little three bar pattern. Um, and so that three bar pattern is the last ledge where price, if it reverses, it should sit below or on top of. And so the, the high and the low of that little range is always the, the, the most key point. So once they get to that level, usually it'll be 25 pip sort of box. Um, I'll be at break even, but if they clear it on an explosive move through that last lower one, two, three, or upper one, two, three, um, that should never come back if that trade is right. And so again, during, depending on my confidence in the move, if it's explosive, I, I may not necessarily go to break even right away, but if it's, there's any hesitation or it fails at that level, then I'll definitely either look at just cutting it or, or being at break even. Um, and sometimes I get it wrong, you know, it's just one of those things I, you know, so much performance-related stuff. I, I really focus on being prepared uh, because that the days that I've not done well is when I'm not prepared well. And so break even if you're at the low or at the high, uh, you have to remind yourself if you're confident that, that this is the low or that is the high uh, to be patient sometimes and just let them, and it's come, coming back to time, you know, usually 15 minutes is, is the maximum. After 15 minutes, if I'm right, this should already be pretty solidly confirming that my trade is going to move in the right direction. Cool. And uh, what I mean, what about win rates? I mean, you sort of mentioned you know, sometimes you lose. How off, what's it look like? Um, I, I don't actually have the exact stats on that, um, and I I I have a problem with win rates and stuff like that because uh, I've had a ninety percent win rate on trades and blown my account up. And, uh, again, I think that comes back to like, in terms of the, I think it's important if you're consistent and you're using good money management, you can pretty much, I think, end green on most days. The days that I haven't uh, done that are usually days that I've gone off my plan or gone into tilt. Uh, so win rate wise, I think really the, the, you know, I wouldn't say I got a hundred percent win rate, but I'd, I would say that it's pretty high. And when I'm wrong, again, if I'm even sus now on a trade setup, I'll either trade it very small or I won't trade it at all. And so if I do take a loss, it's, it's not even relevant. And then I say to myself, why are you bother trading it? Then? If it's not, if it's not of any value size wise, is it just cause I'm trying to, you know, be right or prove something to myself. So I'm constantly kind of looking at my behavior and, you know, 
I guess, being an observer of myself. Because there's days where I'm sitting there going, okay, I think this is going to go up. And, then, and I'm, I'm, I, mean, I know it is. I know it is. And then I'm stopping. I'm going, what am I doing? You know, I'm not, you've got to come back and say to yourself, you make money on the days that it's easy to make money. Is this, is this how, the, is this chart setting up the way that it should set up for you to be able to make money? If it's not, then just come back later. And I might, I might miss it. But I know that one thing gold has taught me, they move it every session. They move it every session. So don't, don't worry about it. Come back later. And so are you, are you trading on every single session? I am right now, uh, partly because I love trading, and I, I guess I'm an addict. Um, and being in Perth, we have that luxury. Uh, I, 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 I like Asia. I like London if, if it's set up right. Um, and I actually love the U.S. because it moves the most in the U.S., but the problem for me is that I'm really not that great at night. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a night owl. But my focus has been on that setup in the first hour, what I call the first hour, the, the three-hour window, uh, the hour prior to New York. If it's set up right or if it's moved well over Asia, London, then I stay up late, later for me. And um, the only difference is if there's news. If there's news on the calendar, chances are, um, like especially at 10 o'clock New York, I won't bother because I know it's not going to move in most cases till the third hour and it's just 11, 1130. Uh, I'm, up, I'm, I'm not up that late. So, But I like the U.S. session. It's, it, I, I, I look at the whole day. By the time Asia and London has traded, you're, you have a big box now. And that box has now established a greater asymmetrical risk-reward opportunity if it's set up at the higher or the low or they go back to the higher or the low at the beginning of the session. And so, so, I mean, like, how many trades a, a day would you take with each of these sessions? The goal is one trade per session. Right. So, uh, and now I'll say this Friday night, like, you know, if somebody's on their game, there it was a trading range. I mean, there was uh, 50 up, 50 down, 50 up, 50 down, 50 up. It was all day long. And so I have a, a bit of a rule I try to enforce on myself is that, you know, you get that trade – uh, 50, 75, whatever it may be, and you're done in the hour you walk away. I tend to overstay sometimes, and then I, I either have to like, and it may be it may be profitable, but it for me it's the recognizing that I know that I shouldn't be there. And if you it, again coming back to what I was saying about scaling up in size, I want to I don't want to trade more. I want to trade less and and bigger. So the goal is to be hitting the, the setups when they're there, bumping up size, being done in an hour, walking away and saying, thank you. Don't care if I miss a 150-pip move two hours later, which, which there are plenty of those in gold. There's lots of huge moves. Um, but if it gives me a gift in that hour and gives me that setup, just learn how to trade it bigger. Work an hour a session or, work, you know, if I was in North America, I'd trade U.S. probably, maybe Asia. I wouldn't trade London. So, um and that's what I keep saying is keep keep mastering that bigger. Just, you know, take it. Take the gift. Walk away. Don't worry about you're not missing anything. Uh, if I said to somebody, if you could get 25 pips a day uh, with no heat, no stress, would you do that? They'd say, yeah, but of course, you know, we want more. We want, we were great. By nature, we're greedy. Um, so my goal is to figure out how to trade bigger, bigger uh, without, you know, somebody said, well, you're going to blow your account up. I didn't say blow your account up. I said trade bigger. So you can still risk your whatever you want to risk on your trades, 
be consistent, stick with the, the best trade setups, and just keep getting bigger in this, in those setups. So, so, so just a, a sort of just I suppose this is about win rate, but like <laughs> the question is, out of your three, you've got your three trades a day that you could do with three sessions. I mean, how many days in, a, in the last year would you say you lost all three trades? Uh, I wouldn't say that's ever happened where there's been three losers, three three losing sessions. Cool. Um, I would say though that definitely you can trade London, uh, sorry Asia, London, and then. Uh, you know, trade bigger in New York and wipe out what you've made easily. You can do that because what you know, part of the learning curve is realizing that um, each session has a purpose in how it is establishing the day's trading setups. So, for example, this morning so far, Asia's put in the low of the day, and they've gone higher. Uh, they've moved every time they move seventy-five pips, three levels of twenty-five. Uh, you know, on a normal day. I'm looking for London to now put in a high and fade that. Um, now, if London comes down or they come down in Europe, they may, it, like we might be moving in 50 pip boxes today, 50, 50, and 50. It could be um, like on a Friday, uh, uh, sorry, a US session. It could be 100 pip increments. We could have a 300 pip move, uh, 100, 100, 100. So um, coming back to that question is that uh, I, I could trade really well do everything right in Asia, do everything well in London, and then not knowing that the volatility may be changing or they now might run the high and actually go all the way back down to the low in New York, uh, be trading bigger and wipe out everything I had made in Asia and London. Only because I was trading bigger, I still took a small loss, but the, but the size was bigger. Yeah. So uh, these are all lessons that, that uh, I had to learn. And, um, and again, coming back to what is my objective? My objective is to make money. My object, my objective is to execute properly. Um, I've had to peel everything back right down to timing of knowing exactly what time I should be trading. Um, you know, even once I'm done, if I get, if I get 50 pips in New York, like Friday night, it moved back and forth all, you know, for the next two hours, I didn't care. It's like, thank you. That was over in seven or eight minutes. And so, uh, it, when you when you know how this how it should set up with with a just a normal model, they're gonna they're gonna hit the stops. They're definitely gonna hit the stops. Anybody who's traded swing trades end of day any time frame, you know that they always come back. The first mouse, you might be right, but they're gonna come back and and put some heat into you. So, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, there's a template. Uh, so each session has a a purpose, and each day has a purpose in that template. So I, again, I had to learn a lot of lessons and just recognizing being prepared, coming to the screen each day. Where are we at? What, what's the potential here? Uh, and if it, if I take 25 and it goes a hundred, who cares? Just learn from it, learn from it and get better. And and what about like doing your analysis? Are you you're obviously looking at the one minute to get in? Are you, what time frames are you doing your analysis on? I look at the daily. So I'm looking uh, at the daily chart um, mainly for, uh, the highs and lows of the month and the week. And then I look at my 15 minute uh, high lows. I, I'm using my numbers and we'll look at those in the charts. And then, and then the minute chart is based on timing. So it's all based on time. Uh, once that market starts to move, you know, uh, so for example, I use a three hour window, eight to 11 PM, New York for Asia. Uh, to me, the first hour of each session is 
establishing or expanding the range. So they're setting a high and a low, or they're expanding the high or expanding the low. So meaning they're moving higher or moving lower. And at some point they'll put in an extreme, a pin, something, and then the next hour opens up. So for London and New York, especially the, the equity hour, um, they'll often retest that. So again, the market opens, they take traders in the direction of the, the retail trend. All the indicators are dragging people in that one direction. The false move drags people back in that direction. This is on a normal day. Obviously, every situation is unique, but then they'll work that for 30 to 45 minutes. And and then that third level, that third push, and it could be in a, just all sideways for two hours, but that that, that volume now is, is trapped above or below a number. And so I have a line that I'll draw. Where's my, my death line? Something I learned from some guys in the States. The death line is usually the beginning of where that, that uh, impulse, that, that move begins. So the hour prior to this, this three-hour window is what, what people would call the stop on hour. So that usually can, can be where the pump, the pump and dump. It's essentially a pump and dump. To me, everything's a pump and dump. So I'm looking for where the pump begins. And that's the anchor point. That's where the move, if it comes back there, can can end. So uh, like on a trend day, uh, two Fridays ago, they came back to the low of London. It was a 30-pip move from the high, 30, 40-pip move. But it didn't go through that level. And they started coming back to the high again. And so we were in a trend day that day. Friday, uh, the U.S. session went up a couple hundred pips, came out of a day zero from from Thursday after the Fed on Wednesday. So again, the calendar can set a lot of this stuff up. But uh, the one minute is when I'm in that timing window, what I'm expecting. So I'm not trading in the one minute. I'm, I'm looking for them to set the high and the low and then work into a level and then give me the price action confirming that. Engulfments, pin hammers, breaking structure, W and M sort of on a geometrical structure sort of setup. And then entering in when they're trapping people back into that pattern. And again, timing-wise, it'll typically be, you know, at the end of a half an hour or the end of 45 minutes, maybe even the beginning of an hour, depending on if there's news, uh, that sort of thing. And when it goes, it's gone. Uh, there'll be maybe a little, sometimes a 25-pip box in that in that lower or upper box, a little bit of back and forth, but the next one will go straight through or vice versa. It'll go straight through and then and then maybe trade in the upper or lower box and then continue the move as we saw in gold this morning. And uh, what about, um, I suppose, if you said to someone, hey, go off and study a price chart or study gold, what three things would you say these are critical to, to focus on? Uh, I think understanding uh, how price behaves at the high and the low people call it support and resistance, supply and demand, what are just highs and lows. Uh, understand timing. If you're end of day, the monthly timing cycle, uh, the weekly timing cycle, meaning that Monday, Friday, Monday, you know, it, it changes. Uh, the end of the month will often be where, you know, there's other things contributing to this. They'll lock, the institutions will lock in profits. They'll restart their moves. Um, Options, expiries, futures contracts, rollovers, all these different things may have a, a play in that. But, but timing-wise, during the day, the markets move 
at certain times for very specific reasons. And so timing is important. Like uh, outside of these timing windows, especially for certain markets, uh, there's algorithms trading these markets. And, and, and if you really look at the high and low, you'll realize that in between those timing windows, everything is being uh, contracted again. They're bringing it back into consolidation. So you're trying to trade these moves, but you're going to be sitting there for four hours. It's not going to go anywhere because now they've trapped volume and they're going to wait. And then the stop on hour kicks in, they hit the stops, they hit the stops. You know, you might be in the right direction, but you're in the middle of the high and the low. Now, um, I just want to jump into mindset for a second here. So before the show, you sort of mentioned that over that course of the 15 years of getting to where you are now, uh, you, you struggled a bit with discipline. I mean, how did you get, how did you overcome that? Uh, I think, I think it's a day, a day to day battle. I don't know if you ever <laughs> overcome it. Um, I think what, what happens for people is they take their, their wants and aspirations and, and they project it into each and every trade that they make. And so what happens is if they lose a trade or they're in a losing trade, they don't want to take the loss or they average into that loss or they get frustrated they don't really have an edge. They don't trade their edge. They, they trade their edge, but they trade other stuff. Um, I had to really look at, again, this, what, what makes money in the market? For what, where did I see money being made? What was tradable for me? How, what was duplicatable for me based on my schedule, my behavior, my approach, my understanding, my beliefs, whatever. Uh, Cause I, I think that it, unless you can really peel back all the things about yourself, it doesn't matter how you're trading or what you're trading because you're still going to sabotage things eventually. So I've had to learn some extremely painful lessons financially. And uh, again, you either quit and walk away or you, you say, okay, well you need to, obviously you're not, you're not, you're trading, but you're also doing other things. So I had to just, you know, stop and uh go back like i i talk about things being real it's all specific to time and just little things so that i'm aware i can just constantly say to myself i know there's another five minutes in this bar that, that needs to trade out before this is really going to be confirmed for me i know they can still pop this through the low or pop it through the high and i'm going to get i'm going to get you know caught mm. little things uh and just being aware of yourself uh you know Am, am I, do I really, am I really trading or am I just here trying to, you know, get lucky? Yeah. So. Cool. And the last question before we jump into the quick fire round. So is there any, uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, actually, no, sorry. If they could spend one month mastering something, what would it be? One month mastering something, uh, one hour at, at that, that open, uh, the high and the low. Understand what they're doing. Uh, if I could say one thing, realize it's it's you against them. It's a zero sum game. Figure out what they are doing because um, they are there to take your money. If you if you think you're trading based on fundamentals and all that sort of stuff, you might be over the big picture. But if you're trading to actually try and like you know make money, I think we're all here to make money. Uh, if you really want to trade to make money, study what the smart money is doing. Study the highs and lows and understand the importance of timing. Timing is everything. Okay, cool. Let's let's jump into the quick fire round. So uh, I'm going to skip over some of these questions here because you've gone through them. Um, 
what's your recommended trading book or resource? Uh, well, that's tough because I, I, I learned a lot from Peter Brandt and uh, that was more about just being a, a master craftsman. But uh, I don't think anything really goes into trading, like real, the real, unless you're trading end of day or something. And I think it's really hard uh, to pick one, one book because uh, it's so performance related and performance is an individual thing. Cause I don't know what you're going to do when you like people say to me all the time, um, just, just stuff like, uh, um, what's your, what's your win rate or what's your, where's your, my FX book and all that. And I say to them, I go, what makes you think that you're going to trade exactly like me? What makes you think you're going to perform like me? You might be better, but, but a lot of people have this illusion that you're, you know, let me see your your back testing results and all that. What you're going to do at this screen? How do I know that your wife or your husband or your girlfriend or somebody your boyfriend hasn't upset you, or or maybe you uh, just lost your job and you're desperate and you want to blow your, you know, you want to just put everything on one trade? I don't know all those things. I don't know if you've had a few glasses of wine before you went to the screen. Um, so, you know, these are the things that the books don't talk about. They don't talk about what people are actually doing behind closed doors. And, uh, you know, I know that firsthand because everything that I said I would never do, I did. And uh, I think most people, if they've been trading long enough, have, have all done those things. And so a trading book, uh, like for what I'm doing right now, I learned it from watching other traders and, and, and my own study uh, and learning little things and going, okay, that's what you're talking about. I get it now. But I've never read it in a book. I've never read it anywhere. I've just learned it from from other people, bits and pieces. Uh, trading nut, trading nut. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you're right, Kim. Because you know, and I'm talking, I'm talking too much. But you know, you listen to what people say, and see some people they'll listen and it'll blow right over their head because it has no relevance. But people who who are trading or are doing certain things, it, they'll say something and they'll be like, "Oh, I never thought of that." Hmm. And it's so true. Like I'm telling people right now, time of day. You know. Trap volume, number levels, those are three things that are very specific to the high and the low. And um, like, you know, they went down to 75 this morning. They filled up the lower box. There's a death line. Boom. They exploded it for 75 pips. That move was similar to what they did in in, uh, London and New York, just reversed on Friday. Same thing. They went up, jammed them into the high in the upper quarter, and then dropped to 50 pips. It's the same trade setup. Um, So, yeah. Do you know uh, what's your preferred broker and pl- trading platform? I use Pepperstone. Um, I use MT4. Everybody tells me to use TradingView and everything else. Like I don't have anything on my charts except numbers. So I, to me, a chart's a chart. I don't care. I don't have any functional issues with it. Uh, people hate my MT4. Um, I've I just been using it. It's simple for me. I understand it. Uh, I know there's people that don't think that that's any good. And I know that people, I know that they can see what I'm doing. Uh, they have all the liquidity mt4s combined they can see the smart money knows buyers and sellers and all that but i'm trying to trade with the smart money so i don't care what they see Mm. i'm i'm looking at what what's the retail guy thinking where's where's my trade setup uh if i'm right i'm right if i'm wrong i'm wrong so i yeah but pepperstone's been great i've had no issues with them they've been fantastic uh no issues whatsoever 
Hey folks, you ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100k. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. Cool. Uh, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't trade with real money until you know that you have a real edge in the market. And then you also know that you can manage yourself, that you know that you are uh, in control of yourself, master yourself, master your edge, know that your edge makes money. Don't, don't trade until you do, because the market is there to shift money from the few, uh, sorry, from the many to the few. And uh, you know, it's a zero sum game. So brilliant. Awesome. Well, look, uh, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Uh, probably email. I got to admit, I get a, a lot of emails and sometimes I'm just, uh, I get a, a lot of going in the spam, but email's easy. Stacy Burke trading at gmail.com. And I do my best to try and answer out the questions in the videos or, um, by email back. So yeah, hopefully that helps. Perfect. Well, look, a big thank you to Stacey for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed here, along with all the links, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Stacey in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Thanks, Cam. All right, folks, so there we have it. Interview done and dusted with Stacey. Hope you enjoyed it. Do remember we shot that video where he breaks down virtually everything he's doing on a gold chart at real low time frames to get really good trades three times a day, all right? So definitely got to go and check that out over there on the Trading Night YouTube channel. Whilst you're there, remember to check out the Cass Darman pre-market analysis. If you want to get hold of that, you're going to get key levels for gold and Forex for the week ahead. And uh, last but not, no, does it last but not least? It's not last but not least. Uh, we've also got these weird gadgets that I've got sitting behind me if you're listening to this on the podcast you're not going to see them but you're going to need to head over to tradingnut.com where you're going to be able to see all of my gadgets slash life hacks it's under the shop link in the top navigation now uh, this has taken me about two years to get them on there i will be adding them uh, adding to them over time there's some paid there's some free so hopefully you guys will be able to get some benefit from those uh, whilst you're over there check out the robot builders club there's a free training there if you do want to Get a feel for what it's all about. Also, we've got fully automated, semi-automated trading strategies that are in the Robot Lab. One launched this week, which is based on the Derek van der Linde TDI indicator. So you get access to, access to that if you join the club. And uh, also, 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 we've got a new logo over there that you'll see and some merch. If you do want to get hold of the merch, some caps, I've got mine coming. Then uh, you can join the club there and join, get some of that trading nut merch as well. All right, folks. Have a great trading week and we'll see you in the next episode.